1 Corinthians chapter number 11, and we preached out of 1 Corinthians on Sunday, and we understand that Paul was addressing issues within the Corinthian church. And here, chapter number 11, we're going to read verse number 23 through 34. He's specifically dealing with uh, the Lord's Supper and some issues that had uh, been uh, raised when it came to worship, when it came to Lord's Supper within the church, and Kind of a different text for tonight, but I believe there's a message here for each one of us, practically speaking, concerning revival in each one of our lives individually. And if there's something that we need tonight, if there's something that I need, something I believe the church needs, something I believe that young people need, it's genuine, true revival. Now, revival's a word we've heard many times, and uh, a lot of people will have different meanings for what revival is. And some people uh, feel that maybe revival is a feeling or an emotional type meeting. Or, man, it's a, a we're going to have revival services for a couple nights. And those are good things. I love revival meetings and I love revival services. But as we study our text tonight, we're going to find out what revival is. And revival is something that each one of us must have individually. For it to spread. It doesn't start with just the meeting. It starts with each one of us being right in the presence of Almighty God. He approaches the subject of the Lord's table. One of the two commands that the church has been given. The ordinances, of course, baptism by immersion. And then celebrating the Lord's Supper or communion. And in this message to his disciples around this table... Right before he's going to be put to death. And this is interesting to think about as we get into the text. What is Jesus going to say right before he dies? When a person dies, typically those words they say at the end of their life, some of the heaviest, most important words that they may ever say. And I believe that's the case as we look at our text tonight. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Let's read in verse number 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that he, the Lord Jesus, notice these words, the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. So the very night that he would be betrayed by that follower Judas, that very night when he would be sold out, that very night when his, his, the, the, one of his closest friends, if you will, would turn his back. That, that's where we find the setting. They're sitting there. That same night, Jesus took bread. And by the way, isn't it an amazing thought that the very night that before he would be betrayed, he sat around and treated Judas with love and grace just like he did every, everybody else that night. It's an amazing thought. It's a great picture of the love of our Lord and Savior. Look at verse 24. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And notice these words, which is broken for you. Now these disciples at this moment, they had no idea what this really meant. For us, hindsight's twenty twenty. We can look back and we see the story. We have the complete canon of scripture, the complete revealed word of God. They did not have that. At this time, this was something that many of them, even until his resurrection, did not understand what was about to take place. Aren't you thankful that we have the complete word of God and we can see the whole story and the whole picture? Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Notice these words. This do in, and notice this next word, remembrance of me. And after the same manner, also he took the cup 
when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye drink this, as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread, drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Verse 28 is always a very humbling verse when I read it. But let a man examine, what's that next word? Himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. It's a big deal, especially when the practicality of the Lord's Supper. Verse 30, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry for one another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home. And ye not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. I just want to show you a few truths from this text tonight that I believe can help each one of us individually to experience individual revival. Let me just say this tonight. You may be here and you may not think you need individual revival. You're who I'm talking to tonight. We all have a need for it tonight. If you're here tonight and you think you're okay, this message is for you tonight. If you're here tonight and you've been in church your entire life and maybe you think you're right. Man, all of us, every one of us, myself, the preacher, we all daily need to experience personal revival. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll jump right into this text. Our gracious and heavenly Father, I thank you for the word of God. Lord, I thank you that it's your complete and connected thought toward us. Father, I pray as I do my best to relay the truths of the word of God, Lord, I pray that your spirit would teach our hearts and our minds. God, I pray that you'd help each one of us, Lord, to, Lord, to examine ourselves, whether it be in the faith. Lord, I pray that you'd grow us closer to you. Lord, I pray tonight, God, that you'd help us like only you can. God, we don't need to hear from a man tonight. Lord, we don't need an outline. God, we need to hear from you. Lord, all is vain tonight unless your spirit come down. And God, I pray that you would do in our hearts and our minds, Lord, what only you can do. Lord, I pray if there be one under the sound of my voice tonight, God, that doesn't know 100% sure, Lord, that heaven's their home and that you're their savior. God, I pray that you would convict like only you can convict. God, I pray tonight if there's a, a, a person that does know you, Lord, that you'd maybe stir their heart and give them a fresh fire, God, to serve you and to, Lord, look for that day when they're going to see you face to face and to live their last days on this earth, Lord, bringing you glory with their lives. Lord, I pray for every young person in this room. Lord, I believe that, God, if one or two of them, Lord, would get this thought tonight, Lord, and get a fire in their heart, God, to serve you. They could change this church. They could change their youth group. They could change their school. Lord, they could shake this world for you. God, I pray that you would begin, Lord, to work in their hearts and continue one in their lives. Lord, we'll be careful tonight to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Look at verse number 23 of our text tonight. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, and I like that, don't you? The Lord Jesus. You know, he's Lord tonight. You ever heard somebody said we need to make him Lord? You ever heard somebody say that? 
You know, he's Lord whether we make him Lord or not. He's never changed. He's on the throne tonight. Hey, every knee someday will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It says this, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. You know, tonight we're not taking the Lord's Supper, but I want you to think about this as we go into this. This is a personal passage. Man, it's close to the Lord's heart. Christ knew that this was the night of the beginning of the crucifixion process, which would begin with him being betrayed in that garden. Christ knew this would be his last supper with his disciples before, uh, before he would hang on that cross. Because of this, we can only imagine how personal this last supper or this Lord's Supper was to the Lord and still is to the Lord. I want you to just throw you four things tonight that Jesus says this last supper. I want us to listen to his words tonight. He was speaking to his disciples, but I believe he's speaking to us. Look at verse number 23 and notice the first thing that he reminds them. That, that the Lord Jesus, the same night, middle of verse 23, in which he was betrayed, took bread. Look at verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This is my New Testament in my blood. This do as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death, or you remember the Lord's death till he come. He's simply telling his disciples this. Hey, you need to, there's some things that you need to remember. And specifically what you need to remember, they hadn't even seen happen yet. We can look back. And see what happened. They, had, they couldn't understand it. They didn't know what was about to happen. But what was he doing? He was, about, he was telling them, hey, my body's about to be broken for you. He was telling them, hey, my, my blood is about to be poured out for you. The first thing that he tells them is, once that's happened and once I've died, listen, never forget what I did for you And what he says to us tonight, hey, as we approach this and as we think about revival in our lives, he says this, if you want to have a life that lasts, if you want to make decisions that last, if you want to serve God with your life, there's some things that you have to remember. Some things specifically. Look at verse number 23. The same night in which he was betrayed. Man, we must remember that he was betrayed for you, look at verse number 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Listen, he was broken. Young people, listen to me. He was broken for you. He was betrayed for you. He was broken for you. Hey, we need to look back and see. Listen, he bled for you. Look at verse 25 and stay with me. After the same manner also... He took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Can I just say tonight, church, if we're going to experience revival, and young people, if we're going to see God do something great in our lives, and if we're going to stay close to Him every single day, we've got to look back and daily remember what He's done for us. So often we forget. We go through our day. We go through the motions. We wake up and go to school. We wake up and go to work. We even wake up and go to church many times, not even to give a thought to what Jesus did to pay a price that I could never afford to pay. 
We must remember tonight the sacrifice our Christ made for us. I want you to imagine yourself sometime in the garden watching as Judas betrays the Lord with a kiss and they haul him away as a common thief or a common criminal. Imagine yourself sometime in the courtroom where they unjustly try him. They falsely accuse him. Listen, they make a mockery of the judge of the universe for you. Imagine yourself sometime in the gallery as they tied our Savior's hands together, putting the rope over a hook attached to a pulley, lift his body as it stretched out, Christ being on his tiptoes, an executioner who looks like he loves his job, steps forward using a whip, that cat of nine tails, that metal or sharpened bone tied into the end of nine strands to carve the body of our Savior. The psalmist said in the 129th Psalm, it prophesies of this moment in time with the statements, the plowers plowed upon my back and made long their furrows, picturing our Lord and Savior like a tractor was ripping his skin apart. It is said that the metal digs into the skin of the victim. When the whip is ripped back, the strips of skin and muscle would be shredded from the person's body. It look almost like your skin riveting. It said that many of the scourging victims would never make it to the cross because they wouldn't survive the beating of the nine razor strands of whip hitting you 39 times, leaving 351 open lacerations on your side, abdomen and back. And he went through all that for you. Imagine yourself among the soldiers after he was scourged. They placed a purple robe and a crown of thorns and mocked Christ saying, Hail, King of the Jews, laughing and mocking the true King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Matthew 27, we're reminded that they released Barabbas. It says this, Then released he Barabbas unto them, a murderer and a thief. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall. Gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him, put upon him the scarlet robe. When they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. That crown of thorns historically was said to be made out of Jerusalem thorns, three to four inches long. Verse number 30 of that same text says this, And they spit on him, took a reed, and smote him on the head driving those nails into his scalp, hitting the school and burying themselves in between the scalp and his school. Verse 31 says this, And after that they mocked him, took that robe from him. Many times we'll read that and we'll miss the implication. Did you know probably the blood from his scourging had begun to dry up, scabbing that robe into his wounds? And they ripped the robe off his back, reopening every single one of those wounds once again. He did all that for you. Picture yourself among the crowd sometime as I force my Savior to carry the weight of that cross on his torn up shoulders, the wood splintering into his already raw flesh, the weight of the cross causing deep bruises on the shoulders of Christ. Christ finally, because of the exhaustion of the beating, collapsing under the weight of the wood. Picture yourself as a new recruit soldier looking over the shoulders of the soldiers that are nailing the second person of the Trinity to a wooden cross. They push and shove Christ the whole time. As I said last night to our teenagers, the entire time he's going willingly. They push and shove him over the cross, laying him onto the wood. 
The soldier who has been over the cross pulling out a packet of three road spikes. Uh, man, they leaves two in the pouch. He takes that first one and he drives it. Man, with the weight of a sledgehammer, he drives that spike through the skin between his bones, forcing the bones to spread apart and pinning his hand to the wood of the cross. Watch as he takes the next spike and does the same thing to the other hand, nailing both hands to the cross. When I think about those hands of my Savior, it's those same hands that fed the 5,000. It's those same hands that had lifted and healed the lame. Man, it's, it's his hand that pressed the clay to the eyes of the blind, healing his blindness. It's his hand that holds me and protects me from all evil. Watch as they lift the cross high above the ground with the weight of Christ hanging from it. They have to hit the base of the cross with a club to get it positioned over the hole for the cross. As it teeters on the edge of the hole with one last cruel blow, the cross drops into the four to five deep, uh, foot deep hole used to support the weight of the wood and the body. And as the cross drops and jerks to a stop, the hands are ripped that much more. His body is jarred. In fact, the psalmist said in uh, Psalm twenty-two, fourteen, that all of Christ's bones were dislocated and out, out of joint. Every second of this, don't miss this, was for you individually, for you personally. Stand in the crowd around the cross as Christ suffers, bleeds, and dies for our sins. Watch as a member of the crowd standing next to you yells out, quoting Christ from earlier in his ministry and mocking him. Matthew 27, 40, saying, Thou that destroyeth the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself if thou be the Son of God. Come down from that cross. Christ was dying for that man's sin. And this man was mocking him. Watch as even one of the two that was justly crucified with him mocks him also. Luke 23, 39, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Verse number 24 when he had given thanks of our text, look at it. He knew what was about to happen. I want you to think about this. When he had given thanks, knowing what he was about to experience, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Say, Brother Jake, what does that have to, why, why, why all of that? This is why all of that. If we come to a point where we look back daily, we remember the price that was paid for us, makes it a whole lot easier to serve our Lord and Savior every single day. The problem is, so often we have short-term memories. We forget that this isn't just some game that we play. Young people, I'm telling you, if you've one or two, you get a hold and understand the grace that God's shown you and what he went through to save your soul. Hey, it'll light a fire in your heart that cannot be put out. Man, every day I'd encourage you to go in the presence of God and remember, hey, and I'm talking to the adults tonight, it's about time some of us start remembering. Listen, he was betrayed for us. He was spit on for us. He was mocked for us. He was beaten for us. He was whipped for us. That crown of thorns on his brow for us. That purple robe ripped from his back for us. Those nails driven in his hands for us. That spear put through his side for us. Suffered as no man had ever suffered. Isaiah put it this way. One of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture, many of you know it, Isaiah 53. He was despised, rejected of men, 
a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He hath borne our sorrows, carried our grief. He was stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was, listen, he was chastised, oppressed, brought as a slam to the slaughter. He was cut off. He was bruised. He was put to grief. He made an offering for sin. He bore our iniquities. He poured out his soul unto death. And don't miss this tonight. The reason that he did that, and the only reason that he did that, was because he loved you. And he wanted to save you. I just want to remind you tonight, daily, weekly, to look back, to remember, oh man, the price that was paid for you. Listen, he loves you that much tonight. You know, the reason we sing, the reason we shout, the reason, listen, the reason we praise, the reason, the reason we're here tonight is because, hey, if, there, if it's not for the cross and the resurrection, we're wasting our time tonight. Hey, the reason we're here tonight is because 2,000 years ago in my depravity and my sin, Jesus loved me enough and God loved me enough. And I love that verse that we quote so often for God. So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. Hey, the reason that he came and the reason that he died and the reason that he suffered and the reason that he shed his blood is because he loves you wants to save you tonight. If you don't know him tonight, listen, he wants to save you. He wants to save you. Listen, there's only one thing that can pay for your sin tonight, and it's the blood of the spotless lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world. Hey, there's no blood like his blood. It's precious blood. It's perfect blood. It's pure blood. It's the only blood that can pay redemption tonight. And just as a side note, if you've never trusted him, and if that blood's never covered your sin, hey, don't leave here tonight without getting that straightened out. Second thing that I want you to just notice tonight, not only should we look back, but secondly, we should look in. We should look in. Look at verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Then these words as Baptists we don't like, these next couple words. But let a man examine... You write in your Bible, circle this word. Himself! What I found is, so often, we're really good at examining everybody else. Instead of examining ourselves. You know who my biggest problem is? Me. Can I just remind you tonight who your biggest problem is? It's you. But a man... Examine himself. Introspection does something for us. When we go into the presence of God, we're open and honest about who we are, listen, it'll do something in your life. It'll, it'll help you in ways, a couple things that we need to examine. It says in our passage, examine yourself or judge yourself. Specifically talking about the Lord's Supper. We are not worthy to partake of the Lord's Supper in and of ourselves, but Christ is the one who makes us worthy. And that truth is true for salvation. The only thing that makes us worthy for salvation is Christ. We don't stand in our righteousness, and don't miss us tonight, church. We stand in His righteousness. The only good that I have isn't Jake Potter. Man, my righteousness is that filthy rags. The only goodness that is in me is by the blessed grace of my Lord and Savior. What happens is after a little while, we start thinking that it has to do something with us. Mm -mm -mm. 
That's a scary place to live. Any good that's in us isn't us. It's him. Philippians 3.9 says, And being found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. I love 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made in the righteousness of God. If we're going to have revival, we must look back, but we also must look in. And it's good for some of us to go back to that place before we got saved and remember who we were, but for the grace of God. Is anybody awake in here tonight? Every one of us was headed to the same place. Every one of us was a filthy, rotten sinner. And if we're not careful after we've been saved for a while, we'll start thinking that, oh, man, I can't believe they're doing that in the world. And I can't believe people are doing that. Hey, buddy, their problem isn't all of that. Their problem is they've never met Jesus. There's a whole lot of moral people that'll split hell wide open one day. After a while, we want to fit everybody in a moral box. People don't need a moral box. They need to become a new creature. We must remember that. Look in. Everyone, y'all know every one of us without his blood tonight, we are guilty. His blood applied is what ma- it makes us not guilty. Praise God. His blood being applied. His blood. The atonement for our sin was that blood. And listen, we've got to look inside of our hearts and make sure that for our salvation, listen, we're not trusting in our works. We're not trusting in our baptism. We're not trusting because mommy and granddaddy and all these people were preachers in our family. There's only one thing tonight that we can trust in. And he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We need to examine ourselves. Have we been saved? He, he makes us worthy at salvation and then he makes us worthy at confession. We we stand tonight cleansed by his mercy. And can I just say, the longer that I am saved and the longer I am in church, the more I become aware of how gracious and how merciful that he really is. Think about this. He's been so gracious to every person sitting in this room tonight. We could go around this room tonight, and sometimes when you're having a bad day or you think that nobody, you ever, you ever met somebody that's always like, nobody loves me, everybody hates me. Think I'll eat some worms. A lot of people like that come to church. You know what I always think about? If the only thing he's ever done for me is save my sorry soul, oh man, he's done enough. He's been so good to me. You ever think about this? It's only by his grace and his sovereignty that you're born in America. And I'm a proud American. You cut me, I bleed red, white, and blue. Man, I, I'm American to the bone. I'm a, I thank God, but listen, I didn't do anything to become an American. And you didn't either. We got so much to be thankful for tonight. We got so much to be thankful for. His mercy, his grace. We got to look in, we got to look inward. First John 1 9 says this. If we confess our sin, he is faithful. Oh man, I love that. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to look back. We need to look in. Are you carrying sin in your life that needs to be confessed? Verse 28 says, let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Examine your salvation. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Examine your work. But let every man prove his own work. Man, we should look back. We should look in. And let me just say this before we go to this next one. If you have sin in your life tonight, can I just, I just want to beg you, give that to God. Give it to God.
We're foolish to think tonight that we're sitting in here and there's some of us that just aren't a mess and struggling. Can I tell you, first of all, it's okay, but you need to get over it and get past it. And you can do that with the help of God. You can't do it on your own. If you're sitting in here tonight, you're addicted and you can't get over it. You feel like you're failing. If you, if you didn't want to do right, you wouldn't be sitting here tonight. I understand that. But can I just tell you, God can help you overcome that sin. First thing you got to do, and it's hard sometimes, is to be honest about it. Go to God. But he already knows anyway. You ever think about this, preacher? If we were going over to the average man or lady's house in here, they ain't going to be looking at stuff they shouldn't if we're standing right there. Isn't that, you know what I mean? They're not, they'd be embarrassed, wouldn't they? Can I just remind every one of us in here that the eyes of the Lord are every place. Someone way bigger and better than me or him standing right. Is everybody, everybody all right? Think about that tonight. Sometimes that's not real to us, is it? That would revolutionize. Listen, he knows any luck, but confess it. Get over it. You can get past it tonight. Some of us have some pride stuff going on in here. You know, we maybe look at a person that struggles with addiction. I'd rather have an addict that knows they need help than a prideful Pharisee that thinks they don't. Confess it to the Lord. Give it to him. I love what the psalmist prayed. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. You know God can do that for you? If you don't have peace like you once have, man, if you're dealing with that pet sin tonight, first of all, you're not the only one in this room that is. Give it to the Lord. He'll help you get past it. Man, it may not happen overnight, but give it to him. He'll, man, if you confess it and ask for his power to get over it, he'll give you victory over it. We should look back. We should look in. Now, this one gets a little bit tougher. We should look around. You say, preacher, what are you, what are you saying? Not to examine others, but to see if we need to get our heart right towards others. I want to just ask you this tonight. Do you have bitterness against another brother? Are you jealous <clears throat> of another brother? It gets real quiet when we start talking about this kind of stuff, especially with adults. Somebody pulls in parking lot in that new car and inside of you it's like man it's not fair why and many times things aren't always as they seem you don't understand that that person's got up and worked overtime and been busting their tail for life and they it's amazing that many people that are complaining complaining because somebody else is being blessed financially they can't handle their own finances and many times make more money than that person out there somebody help me tonight i've seen it a hundred times we get jealous and bitter can i just say this if your relationships aren't right with each other, especially with teenagers many times, if your relationships aren't right with each other, they're not going to be right with God. If you're mean all the time, Christians, sometimes we can be some of the meanest people in the world. Do you know that's not a gift of the fruit of the Spirit tonight? Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. You know what it makes a great church, a great marriage, a great relationship? People that learn to forgive each other over and over and over again. Aren't you thankful tonight that that's what he does with us? Think of all the times you've let him down and I've let him down. But yet he never, he's not skeptical like we are. When we come back to him, what does he do? And he restores us right to where we were. He forgives us. You know the most Christ-like thing, one of the most Christ-like things you can do is to forgive a person that's wronged you. Can I just say this tonight? If you want to see a revival in your life, you've got to look back 
You've got to look in, and you've got to look around. You've got to be right with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, you don't have to be best friends with everybody. Man, but there ought not be bitterness and hate that's held in your heart towards that other brother or sister. Can I just tell you this? And I know if you've been at church for any amount of time at all, you'll understand this. You're going to get hurt at some point by someone. Somebody's going to let you down. I tell people when you find the perfect church, don't go there because you're going to mess it up. <laughs> Somebody's going to let you down. Somebody's going to disappoint you. Can I just encourage you to do this? Be as gracious, forgiving with them as God has with you. Remember when they came to him? Well, how many times should we forgive? Seventy times seven. If you're like me, I've got my calculator out on my phone. Trying to figure out how many times that is. And I'm going to keep track. You know what he was saying there? Forgive them over and over and over and over again. You can tell a lot about a person's walk with God. How they treat other people. How they treat especially someone who has wronged them. I want to encourage you with this tonight. And I know this is, listen, if you, if, man, if you have that between somebody, you don't always need to go to them, especially if they don't know about it. It's probably best you don't. You might cause bigger problems. But in your heart, give that to God and ask him to take it from you. That unforgiveness in your life is hurting you more than it's hurting them. They're not laying a night sleep, awake and not being able to sleep because of it. You are. They're not home crying about it. You may be. Listen, I've been hurt in some major ways. Young people, listen, I had a dad that walked out on me. I held bitterness in my heart for almost 20 years. Killed me. Crushed me. One of the greatest days in my life is when I finally forgave him and worked past it. It's like something on my shoulders was lifted. That burden was lifted. We must look back. We must look in. We must look around. Look at verse 33. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, look what he says, tarry for one another. That's what we've been talking about. Two great parts to the Christian life, your relationship with God and your relationship with others. 1 John 4.20, I just want to give you this verse because it goes along with what I've been talking about on this point. If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he's just some strong language here. You know what he says? He is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother who he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Part of examining yourself is examining your heart's attitude towards others. Ask these questions. Is there someone you're resentful of? Is there someone you need to forgive? Matthew 5, the greatest preacher that ever preached, preaching the greatest sermon that's ever been preached, our Lord and Savior said this. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. If it was me and I had a bad attitude towards someone, critical spirit towards another, I'd, listen, I'd go get that right tonight. I'd get it right tonight. Lastly, and we're done tonight, look at verse 26. I love this one. For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death. And notice these last three words. Till... He come. We should look back. We should look in. We should look around. And then lastly tonight, we should look up. You know what he was telling them? Listen, I'm about to be gone. <laughs> He's been gone for a while, hasn't he? 
But you know what he was saying? Oh, I may be gone for a minute, but I'm coming again. Hey, aren't you thankful tonight that even after this betrayal, they sat there, he explains all this to him, he goes through all that. I'm so thankful tonight. You know what separates our Lord and our Savior and our God from any other little G God that's out there is three days later, he didn't, he didn't stay in that tomb. Can you imagine just being there? I'd love to have been like a fly there around that, around that tomb. I just can imagine that a cool breeze just begin to blow. Mm. <laughs> I mean, could you? All the hell and Satan and demons begin to tremble. And I, I'm not trying to tear down the deity of God, but I just wonder, because he was wrapped in flesh, I just wonder if those toes started moving a little bit as he came back to life. Took them grave clothes and he folded them. And I don't know how he did it, but he moved that stone now. You know what I'm saying? I mean, could y'all imagine? And aren't you thankful tonight? Aren't you thankful? Listen, if he didn't walk out three days later, we're really wasting our time tonight. You go to Muhammad's grave, and guess who's there? Buddha, he's dead tonight. All these idols, all these false gods, all these, listen, but there's one God, the name that's above every name. Listen, he's alive. He's sitting on the right hand of the Father. We must look back. We must look in. We must look around. But let me tell you, the one that will help you, hey, the one that will change your life if we do all of those is when we begin to look up and understand this, that our Savior and our Lord and our King, the one that bled, the one that died, the one that redeemed, the one that saved me, the one that reached way down for me and, listen, picked me out of the mire and clay and set my feet on a rock and established my going, he's coming again. He's coming again. I need to live my life in light of the fact that he's coming again. You know, Paul realized that Jesus could have been returning even in his time at any moment. We must look up and realize that Christ is coming back at any day. There's coming a day. I mean, I can't wait for this day, Brother Prater. There's coming a day when he's going to make all this right. I believe that tonight. Live every day as if Christ were coming back today. That will revolutionize your life. I would encourage you, maybe you're here tonight and you've been in church a long time. Maybe it's gotten a little cold for you. Maybe some of you teenagers, you were on fire for God at one point. Adults, you're on fire for God. Maybe you used to sit in the service and those songs about the blood and those songs about Zion and those songs about, man, the days of Elijah and he's coming in the clouds. That used to move you. doesn't move you anymore. Can I just tell you, there's only one person in the world to blame for that. It's not your preacher. It's not your spouse. It's not your church. It's not your kids. Examine yourself tonight. And examine yourself tonight. You know, God hasn't changed. You know who changes so often? We do. If you're here tonight, maybe you have some unconfessed sin. And let me just say this. Do business with God tonight. We don't meet like this. We don't have meetings like this just to have them. I mean, I believe that, man, I want to preach every sermon, Brother Prater, like it's my last time I'll ever preach. Because he could come back at any moment. Listen, don't leave here tonight. If you're not saved tonight, young people, look at me. If you don't know that you know that you know that you know, that if you were to pass from this life to the next, adults, if you don't know that you're, if you don't know that heaven's your home tonight, there's, in just a minute, there's going to be some counselors up here and listen, they'd love to take a Bible, not show you what man says, but show you what God says about how you can know for sure that when you pass from this life to the next, you'll spend eternity in heaven. Listen, you may have been in church for 20 years. We had a youth pastor's wife saved recently. Wanted to get it settled, get it right. 
man, people ain't going to make fun of you. They're going to, listen, you may have been in church your entire life. Get that settled. I wouldn't let pride send me to hell. Man, get it nailed down tonight. Others of us that maybe, maybe we become cold and indifferent a little bit. Man, give it back to the Lord. Maybe a generation needs to see an older generation that's on fire for God like they once were. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Young people, your school, your youth group, one or two of you, and I've said this all week, one or two of you would get on fire for God. I'm telling you, it would change your school, it would change this youth group tonight. Some of y'all, men, ask God to use you, like we talked about Monday night, about being a voice. Last night, you guys, many of you were here last night. Man, God's working in your heart, He's working in your mind. Don't miss those opportunities to give it to Him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and